and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush. Here, I'll be talking to marketing leaders in the recruitment industry, discussing their careers in recruitment, passions for marketing, and the challenges and successes they have faced along the way. My aim for this podcast is to share the opinions and insights of a variety of experts from across the recruitment marketing landscape. I'll be discussing their experiences and learns while building recruitment brands around the world. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. This week I'm joined by Akbar Karenga, a consultant and advisor at Marusi. Thanks for joining us, Akbar. Thank you, thank you, Victoria. So could you start off by just telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Um, well, started off with the biggest lie in the world, which is I love recruitment, I always wanted to do it. And I started off an agency for a couple of years, S3, moved in-house, then ran recruitment teams in Shanghai for an education company, moved to the UK to do it, and then just finished a really cool contract at an amazing scale-up startup. Awesome, so you kind of crash course through recruitment from consultant now to advisor. It's been a hell of a journey and I've just started to go a bit on my own. So Marusi is um, my brainchild um, that's going to collect all the mistakes that I've done across all those different contexts. I love that. I love that you're open about the fact that you're going to share your mistakes. You're learning. People will learn from your knowledge, from your information, from what you've done wrong so that they don't have to do it. It's kind of something almost we don't talk about enough. Mm. We don't even mention the reason I know this is because I screwed it up the first time and now I know how to do it properly. (laughs) Yeah, I, I was surrounded by great environments where I could take risks with vendors, with processes and really encouraging bosses and I try not to make the same mistake twice. We all try not to do that though, right? (laughs) That's the plan. Yeah. Um, So you are originally a recruitment consultant Mm -hmm. and we tend to avoid them in marketing. We all think that you can't possibly know what you're doing when it comes to marketing. But actually, in your case, you've had a very interesting career and learned from consultancy to in-house and now to advisory. And to give some marketers an understanding of what actually it would be great to learn, if you could go back now to when you were a consultant, what kind of information would you do you wish you knew then about marketing, about employer branding, about what anything it is to do in that field that you think would have helped you the most? Well, if you were to look at the top of the funnel, it's the biggest part of it is the people that don't apply. If I had that kind of mentality of how many visits do I get? Why don't people say yeah? And really dig into the mechanics of somebody coming to a website. I think that would give me a big appreciation of where I'd be putting in advert, what I'd say, because me getting, oh, this person applied, I should be thinking about what about the other seven? Why weren't they excited? That's really interesting. And something for marketers is we have that kind of information. We have the metrics, we have access to that data, but don't always focus on how useful that would be. Mm -hmm. If you could sit a room of consultants down who specialize in one area Mm -hmm. and say, we know or we can see that X amount of people are coming to the website, are reading your jobs, and only, let's say only 10% of them are applying. Mm-hmm. There's a problem there on the job page. They're getting to the home page of the website and they're leaving then, then the problem is actually at the beginning of the website, something's not right. If you're not even getting them to your site, then how you're going to market is wrong. And to be able to explain that to a recruiter, we don't realize the knowledge and the access to the knowledge that we have mm-hmm. to then share it and mm-hmm. sit people down and say, this is the ecosystem of candidates you bring to the door and you're only converting 0.1% of them into a deal. Mm-hmm. How do we fix that problem? And that's what you're now helping people do. 
Yes, um, part of it, yeah, definitely. Um, but that question does get asked in terms of where is the attribution gap between we put something out there and the end process, there's a bum on a seat. What does that journey look like? How do you start to walk your clients through that? I try and move the conversation from don't talk about candidates, think about a big ticket purchase item B2C. How do they market? How do they, as a sales process, move somebody, move a lead along? So if you go to BMW's website and you want to buy a car, you have to really dig around for price. And they usually say, actually, no, no, come for a test drive. Actually, here's an embedded video talking about this amazing new engine that you're going to absolutely go for. They don't go straight for the close because they realize it's a big decision that you're gonna have to mull over. There will be no amazing car company that's gonna say, break down the specifications of the engine or give you the dimensions of the cabin and say, would you like to buy the car? Because those are fact, not feelings. Definitely, getting a new job, getting married or divorced and buying a new house are the three, some of the three biggest decisions you make in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And you try to avoid any two of them happening at the same time, yeah. but we don't seem to take that into consideration when the final close comes about. And actually, as how as marketers can we improve the candidate experience throughout that journey so when consultants do need to come to close, they can trust the brand which gives the consultant even more value to them. It's, uh, let's say, when you introduce yourself in a pub, you say, my name is, and most British people go, oh, what do you do? Your job and who you work for is an important part of your identity. It's not going to be something that is going to be decided off the cuff, on a train, getting that email, that saying, do you want a job? It's a longer, much more get to know you, get to love you process. Throughout your career so far, how have you tried to help educate people? How have you tried to explain this kind of process and, and improve it? Because you were at White Hat before. Yeah, you? White Hat before, um, Education First and S3 and Propel. I ask anyone who I work with, let's apply for a job. Let's actually go from the website, follow the user journey and see, oh my God, why is it taking me seven clicks to find the job? If you were a very good e-commerce business and you did not get to basket in four clicks or less, people will be going, you are losing lead. So that's one aspect there. Also, I encourage people to use as many tools as possible. So is it textio? Does your advert in terms of the wording lean towards one demographic or another? So looking for tools in and around it. And probably my final closing point that is kind of my go-to conversation is, how do you look after a lead? In recruitment, we're very funny where we pay for a lead and then we let it rot in our ATS. There is very few nurture campaigns explicitly um, around actually Adam Gordon from Candidate come like Waking the Dead, things like that, where repurposing content that is already out there, say nice things about your company and get them to slowly go, mm, you're nice. Okay, cool, I want to find out more. Okay, now I want an interview with you. I want to go back to a couple of points on that. One being every click that you take on a website, you lose somebody. The further they have to go to to get to the final apply page, the less chance you have of getting them onto your ATS, onto your database, whatever it is. And that's one thing that we don't look at enough. If you if you look back at your, your big four in terms of consultancies, maybe five years ago, three years ago, their application processes were 45 minute essays, interviews, answer these questions. They have changed those processes now to include things like video. And it doesn't take you an hour to do the first application because they were losing so 
so many candidates who didn't want to go through that process who were right for the job. And the same applies to the recruitment industry. If it takes you 20 minutes to find the apply button, get through all the detail, fill in pointless questions that should be asked on the phone and written down then. Or they are on the CV. So you spend half the time attaching the CV and then saying, what is your name? What is your email And address? filling out the boxes. Yeah, it, like, it's completely pointless. Pass that data. Get an ATS that works for you. Just stop getting in the way of people saying yes to you. Exactly. And the only way that you know that that works is by doing a secret shopper approach to how your process works. And recruitment companies don't tend to do that. In fact, I've tried it before and there's a lot of, no, I don't need to. Recently, there was a report done from recruitment agencies. 89% of agencies think their candidate experience is good or world class. But they're the ones saying that their candidate experience is good or world class. That doesn't make any sense. How can you know that? Just because the ones that you place have a world class experience? What happened to the 99% of other people who applied, who went on your website, interacted with a consultant, who got a, an unsolicited email because they were on a mailing list? What about all of them? Mm -hmm. That doesn't count as a world class experience, but somehow the industry thinks that 89% of them offer a world class candidate service, mm -hmm. a candidate experience. That just cannot be true. At Education First, uh, we used to get around 450,000 applicants per year and we only ever hired 7,000. So we were in the business of beautiful goodbyes a lot of the time. So we decided to install automatic surveys for anyone who does apply. And that, that NPS report was just as valid as the NPS of our current staff who said yes. We really wanted to get a real idea of what do candidates actually think? And if 89, I'd, I'd have dreamt for us to get that number. It's selfish and it's, it's close-minded to believe that any recruitment company can have a fully world-class candidate experience. And it's egotistical. It's not right that we all, that many people can sit down and think, you know what, yeah, we're the best at what we do. You might be good at recruitment because you can close fast or you have a good database of candidates around you to fill your jobs, but that doesn't make your experience world-class from one end to the other. Actually closing that loop from before application, before they reach the website, how do you find passive candidates other than scrolling through LinkedIn? Look at your ads, look at how you reach out to people, look at what you post on social media, then there's your website. Now you've got all your advertising before you hit a website and people don't even consider that the experience someone receives, they don't click on it, could actually be negative for some reason. No one considers that because they can't see it in front of them. My next question for you is how do you you think recruitment companies can improve that that candidate experience process by going through the secret shopper first of all self-identify who you want to speak to you're not going to speak to everyone with the same clarity and gonna instill in them the same passion so i look at for example super formal job specs for devs who are going to be running around in shorts and flip-flops in the office so it's like where where is where is that where is that gap there so i'd say know who you want to speak to and create your message to specifically them. And also try not to write it yourself. Get as the people that you want to hire. So for example, at White Hat, the head of tech, he was absolutely amazing. He really took on board and started writing job specs from what would excite him. What does he talk about in the pub when people say, do you work for this company? If you look at certain specs, for example, if it's a younger profile, you might lean more towards embedded gifts and emojis or stuff like that. Have fun, A-B test it is another example. Change around titles, just because you have multiple titles for that same role, it's okay. 
your business looks like you've got loads of roles. <laughs> so <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I know, and I like that. You need to tailor job descriptions to your industry. There are companies out there getting it right because they're not hiding behind a corporate job description that, that looks better to an exec when the reality is the person who does that job would never apply to what a job description a CEO would look at. And they're two very, very different things. You have to tailor to your market. If your business is in tech and it's in relaxed side of tech, then you need to appeal to that market. The same goes for pharmaceuticals, the same goes for financial services. It's going to be completely different trying to approach a trader than it is going to be um, scientist, mm -hmm. for example. Tristan from Vonk, he wrote a really, really funny piece about, and benefits, um, that sentence that is on every single job advert there. What, what are we saying? And benefits. This is where we want to know what those benefits are. Don't say great team as a benefit or fiduciary responsibilities of 25 days a year. That's what is a given. Really ask, why should somebody want to work for this company, my client or me? Write it down. Why do you stay? For example, one of my businesses, they had a very popular quiz night internally it was vicious like it was so competitive everyone loved it but it really spoke to the culture of the business so it's like let's put that in and candidates literally asked about that in interview and so actually my topic would be blah 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 so that would be one possible way i think to really personalize what you put out there brilliant candidates come in and go oh I, uh, my my speciality in quizzes x y you know i'm great at the history of yeah politicians or something. I'd be terrible, they'd never hire me. I'm rubbish at pub quizzes. I, I said Harry Potter and uh, we had a quiz and I absolutely got spanked by half of my team. So, yeah. Oh really? Well, that's embarrassing. Yeah. So don't put your hand up to something if you exactly. can't do it. Exactly. If you're myself. not completely sure you, <laughs> you are an expert. So recruitment and KPIs are obviously a big topic. We've talked about this earlier today. And if we're going to look at how marketing needs to improve its position within recruitment companies, within the recruitment aspect of other companies, we still don't KPI, and I, I hate the term KPI, so it's not, it's not really right, but we don't measure recruitment in the right way, uh, marketing in recruitment in the right way. We still look at it as a little bit fluffy, uh, maybe just the number of CVs that come into the door, but there's so much more to it than that. And we need to start approaching, marketers need to be the ones to start approaching what they do in a different way, and uh, in terms of actually sales and marketing being one thing, not two separate things. Mm. I, for example, everyone buys a LinkedIn recruiter license, but how many times do you look on the analytics tab and say, what were your open rates? What were your, your yeses or noes? When you do a large message outreach, does it get the same as a smaller one? That's not something you can do just every day. And also work around the mechanics of, not the end goal of, I have hired somebody. That is many, many things happened before that. So it could be, if it was really narrow it just to marketing. So I look at a business, how many extra followers are actually on the LinkedIn page? Or the first people that you say hello to are people that have connected, liked or commented on pieces from your business. Um, it's the first people that actually I say hello to. That's quote unquote when I say I'm headhunting. I'm seeing who likes our message already. Let me say hello to them first. The, the warm lead is, hey, I, I noticed that you like blah, 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 blah. What was it that interested you? Okay head out from there you know step forward and, and that's where inbound marketing can really support sales teams you start to bring warm leads in because you're tracking everything that you're doing you're bringing people through a funnel starting with advertising and bring them to the website applying for jobs you're bringing warm leads to your consultants and you can't expect a consultant to be a copywriter for a start because they don't know what to do with a job description but actually you own that if as marketers we take control of the applicant 
applicants and take responsibility for who's applying for jobs. You own those leads. Those are your leads that you're bringing to consultants. And it's not just saying, well, someone decides on the, on the job boards or someone else writes the job description. Take control of that ecosystem. Be the one that improves it internally. And people will start to see that candidate applications are driven because marketing is done right. Not just because you built a website and someone chucked a job description on an ATS. Actually take control of it, own it, rather than being so downhearted every time someone says they don't like a picture. Flip that conversation and say, the picture's not as important as getting the job description right. That's what they're applying for. They don't care if you don't like the picture on the website. It's far too opinionated for that. Mm. Recruitment's not about that. How do you improve the people coming in to the business, drive that inbound, and you will gain notoriety from the business. People will start to believe that marketing actually has a place and a purpose. Mm. We know it does. We now to start need to, we now need to start proving it mm. and to show people that that's actually what we can do and what we control. Like we track CPA of our customers just change the seat, just the candidate. Work around, live in that same energy if it was a lead for somebody to buy your IT solution, if you were a, a, a vendor. So really, really fall in love with how to nurture that and that's on you. That means you can take credit when it goes great. Definitely, and you spend a lot of time now talking to agencies and companies about improving the tech stack that they have to get the best out of what they're doing. How do you start a process of improving technology inside recruitment, recruitment in mm -hmm. any way? Look for the wins that will automate something that's labor intensive, or something that would be a multiplier effect um, is, is the one there. So you're basically trying to run as quickly to a quality conversation between two human beings. If there is the tool is not helping you do that, then question marks about, is it worth it? Go to the events, vendor run um, webinars, everything like that to find out more. Be an educated buyer of the tech solution. Don't, oh no, they're selling to me. Let me put the phone down. Ask a question, why do you think it will help me? And um, have an, an equal opportunity where if you buy something, somebody hasn't heard Winked you, you have come together, they've chosen you as a client, and you've chosen them as a solution. And if not, ring you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are many, many people that you can ask for advice, and yes, if you do want, I'm here as well. There are loads of people out there, and it's a huge shift in the industry. Thanks very much for joining us, Akbar, and I want to leave it on what you said earlier recruitment is an industry of beautiful goodbyes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Victoria. All the best.